0: Chapter eighteen of The Adventures of Ferdinand Count Fathom by Tobias Smollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Luckily for our adventurer, before she adhered to this determination, the young Count de Melville was summoned to Pressburg by his father, who desired to see him, before he should take the field, in consequence of a rupture between the Emperor and the French King and fathom of course quitted Vienna in order to attend his patron after he and Rinaldo had resided two whole years in that capital where the former had made himself perfect in all the polite exercises become master of the french tongue and learned to speak the italian with great facility over and above those other accomplishments in which we have represented him as an inimitable original as for the young count his exteriors were so much improved by the company to which he had access since his departure from his father's house that his parents were equally surprised and overjoyed at the alteration all that awkwardness and rusticity which hung upon his deportment was like the rough coat of a diamond polished away the connection and disposition of his limbs seemed to have been adjusted anew his carriage was become easy his air perfectly genteel and his conversation gay and unrestrained the merit of this reformation was in a great measure ascribed to the care and example of Mr Fathom, who was received by the old count and his lady with marks of singular friendship and esteem. Nor was he overlooked by Mademoiselle, who still remained in a state of celibacy, and seemed to have resigned all hope of altering her condition. She expressed uncommon satisfaction at the return of her old favourite, and readmitted him into the same degree of familiarity with which he had been honoured before his departure. The joy of Teresa was so excessive at his arrival that she could scarce suppress her raptures so as to conceal them from the notice of the family, and our hero, upon this occasion, performed the part of an exquisite actor in dissembling those transports which his bosom never knew. So well had this pupil retained the lessons of her instructor, that, in the midst of those fraudulent appropriations, which she still continued to make, she had found means to support her interest and character with Mademoiselle, and even to acquire such influence in the family that no other servant, male or female, could pretend to live under the same roof without paying incessant homage to this artful waiting-woman, and yielding the most abject submission to her will. The young gentlemen, having tarried at Presburg about six weeks, during which a small field equipage was prepared for Rinaldo, they repaired to the camp at Heilbronn, under the auspices of Count Melville, in whose regiment they carried arms as volunteers, with a view to merit promotion in the service by their own personal behaviour. Our adventurer would have willingly dispensed with this occasion of signalizing himself, his talents being much better adapted to another sphere of life. Nevertheless, he affected uncommon alacrity at the prospect of gathering laurels in the field, and subscribed to his fortune with a good grace, foreseeing that, even in a campaign, a man of his art and ingenuity, might find means to consult his corporal safety, without any danger to his reputation. Accordingly, before he had lived full three weeks in camp, the damp situation and sudden change in his way of life had such a violent effect upon his constitution, that he was deprived of the use of all his limbs, and mourned, without ceasing, his hard fate. By which he found himself precluded from all opportunity of exerting his diligence, courage, and activity in the character of a soldier to which he now aspired. Rinaldo, who was actually enamoured of a martial life, and missed no occasion of distinguishing himself, consoled his companion with great cordiality, encouraged him with the hope of seeing his constitution familiarised to the inconveniences of a camp, and accommodated him with everything which he thought would alleviate the pain of his body, as well as the anxiety of his mind. The old count, who sincerely sympathized with his affliction, would have persuaded him to retire into quarters, where he could be carefully nursed, and provided with everything necessary to a person in his condition. But such was his desire of glory, that he resisted his patron's importunities with great constancy, till at length, seeing the old gentleman obstinately determined to consult his health by removing him from the field, he gradually suffered himself to recover the use of his hands, made shift to sit up in his bed, and amuse himself with cards or backgammon, and, notwithstanding the feeble condition of his legs, ventured to ride out on horseback to visit the lines, though the Count and his son would never yield to his solicitations so far as to let him accompany Rinaldo in those excursions and reconnoitering parties, by which a volunteer inures himself to toil and peril, and acquires that knowledge in the operations of war, which qualifies him for a command in the service. Notwithstanding this exemption from all duty, our adventurer managed matters so as to pass for a youth of infinite mettle, and even rendered his backwardness and timidity subservient to the support of that character, by expressing an impatience of lying inactive, and a desire of signalizing his prowess, which even the disabled condition of his body could scarce restrain. He must be a man of very weak nerves and excessive irresolution, who can live in the midst of actual service, without imbibing some portion of military fortitude. Danger becomes habitual, and loses a great part of its terror. And as fear is often caught by contagion, so is courage communicated among the individuals of an army. The hope of fame, desire of honours and preferment, envy, emulation, and the dread of disgrace, are motives which cooperate in suppressing that aversion to death or mutilation which nature hath implanted in the human mind, and therefore it is not to be wondered at if Fathom, who was naturally chicken-hearted, gained some advantages over his disposition before the end of the campaign, which happened to be neither perilous nor severe. During the winter, while both armies remained in quarters, our adventurer attended his patron to Pressburg, and before the troops were in motion. Rinaldo obtained a commission, in consequence of which he went into garrison at Philipsburg, whither he was followed by our hero, while the old count's duty called him to the field in a different place. Ferdinand for some time had no reason to be dissatisfied with this disposition, by which he was at once delivered from the fatigues of a campaign and the inspection of a severe censor in the person of Count Melville, and his satisfaction was still increased by an accidental meeting with the Tyrolese. Who had been his confederate at Vienna, and now chanced to serve in garrison on the same footing with himself. These two knights errant renewed their former correspondence, and, as all soldiers are addicted to gaming, levied contributions upon all those officers who had money to lose, and temerity to play. However, they had not long pursued this branch of traffic, when their success was interrupted by a very serious occurrence that for the present entirely detached the gentlemen in the garrison from such amusements. The French troops invested Fort Kiel, situated on the Rhine, opposite to Strasbourg, and the imperialists, dreading that the next storm would fall upon Philipsburg, employed themselves with great diligence to put that important fortress in a proper posture of defence. If the suspension of play was displeasing to our hero, the expectation of being besieged was by no means more agreeable. He knew the excellence of the French engineers, the power of their artillery, and the perseverance of their general. He felt by anticipation the toils of hard duty upon the works, the horrors of night-alarms, cannonading, bombardment, sallies, and mines blown up, and deliberated with himself whether or not he should privately withdraw and take refuge among the besiegers. But when he reflected that such a step, besides the infamy that must attend it, would be like that of running upon Scylla, seeking to avoid Charybdis, as he would be exposed to more danger and inconvenience in the trenches than he could possibly undergo in the town, and after all run the risk of being taken and treated as a deserter. Upon these considerations, he resolved to submit himself to his destiny, and endeavor to mitigate the rigour of his fate by those arts he had formerly practised with success. He accordingly found means to enjoy a very bad state of health during the whole siege, which lasted about six weeks after the trenches were opened, and then the garrison marched out by capitulation, with all the honours of war. End of chapter 18.